Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears. Multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Western Hunting Hub podcast. In this episode, I have Nick from Land Trust. Uh, this is that company you've been seeing ads for um, and, and just a few things circling around. People kind of wondering what it is, what it's about. Um, see some angry faces, emojis, even likes and things. Um, but here we talk about what it is, what it's about and some of their philosophies and, uh, as well as just gain some permission on private land. So it's a great episode with Nick, uh, land trust mission is to exist, to enable the enjoyment, profitability and sustainability of America's undeveloped lands. And, uh, Nick's great guy, great to chat with, and they gave a coupon code so if you are interested in checking out land trust and want to book a hunt somewhere for a pretty affordable price use promo code uh wh15 that stands for western hunting hub 15 wh15 and i would assume that's 15 percent off so that's a pretty good deal i just might uh, go look at that myself and see what i could look for down the road so check that out while it's new i bet you as things get gain popularity it's going to be a little more difficult to, to to book some of those primo pieces of property so great episode give it a listen and thanks as always uh, thanks as always for listening All right, Nick, thanks for jumping on the Western Hunting Podcast. Appreciate you guys reaching out and then uh, uh, connecting. And, and you guys have I've seen your ads all over the place. Uh, and it's got a lot, of, a lot of questions up in the air of what is this thing? And that, that happens always with new, new products, new, new features, new uh, opportunities. Uh, what's this thing? Uh, remember when people were saying, what's on X? <laughs> what's, uh, now, now, if you don't know what that is, you're living under a rock or go hunt. You don't, uh, yeah. But uh, what's this thing? Uh, so um, it's gl- glad we can uh, chat about it. But I also uh, want to talk about some uh, how we get permissions, how you get permissions, how, how we can give some people, some folks to not forget about uh, private public land. And I got, I'm going to hold myself on that. I got some opinions. I got some ideas, some thoughts, some questions, but if you wouldn't mind real quick, introduce yourself, who you are and, and, uh, what you're about, not not necessarily the, the company yet, but, but you yourself. Yeah, sure. So, uh, appreciate you having me on the podcast, Clint. Uh, yeah, my name is Nick DeCastro. I'm the founder and CEO of Land Trust. Um, I grew up and your audience might shriek, but I grew up in Southern California uh, I was born at the beach and grew up surfing, spearfishing, fishing, hunting, all that stuff. 
which I know a lot of folks might think that you can't do that stuff there. It's harder now. I haven't lived there in probably 18 years, but um, yeah, grew up loving the outdoors. Uh, grew up mainly bird hunting. So, you know, we have a lot of deserts in Southern California and a lot of quail and doves and we get up to the Central Valley and that pheasant and that kind of stuff and do some chucker hunting too. So yeah, grew up behind bird dogs and then got into fishing really early out in the ocean, spear fishing and then fly fishing when I was probably in my early, probably 13 or something like that. Um, which, you know, fly fishing is what brought me up to Montana the first time. So in my, we came up here a couple of times over the summer vacations when I was in school and, uh, up in that rock Creek kind of around Missoula and just spent some weeks up here and fell in love with Montana really. Um, and so, uh, yeah, you know, I went to school on the East coast, lived in cities, sold technology. I'm a, you know, I was a sales guy before starting this company and, um, you know, uh, got to travel a bunch and worked in the marketing and advertising space, did a lot of social media advertising, worked with a lot of large companies doing that kind of stuff and helping them acquire customers online, which is a useful skill. Um, and so, yeah, then I moved up here to Montana in 2016 and was sort of confronted with the idea that is now land trust. I'm really thankful. Um, so many, so many different, uh, skill sets are bridging into the hunting world because we have to have that, the, the, uh, technology, the I'm, I'm six, six. So I'm so, I was Holy so God. thankful when hunting <laughs> companies started making clothes that fit me. Um, I can't go to Cabela's and buy clothes. I can't go to, no. um, I've never walked in at an old Navy and found a pair of pants. <laughs> so just a pair of jeans. They don't make them that fit me. Hey, you're um, going to the big and tall stories. <laughs> no, but that's big and tall. I got a 32 waist. Yeah. You got to, yeah. yeah. So you, you got to wear the, the tight, <laughs> stiff as can be Wranglers. You know how many deer I've shot and tight, stiff <laughs> Wranglers as a kid. Cause that's all I could, yeah. all I could wear. Um, but I'm so thankful for, you know, just joking, but, uh, the technology, the, the yeah. advancement, the, um, the hunting community needed it. And, and I don't know where we'd be without some of these, these other tech things that are, that, uh, advance our ability to, to, to spend more time in the field, to, uh, create more opportunity like any of this digital mapping, any of this, um, yep. and what you guys have, which is a different thing. But, uh, so it, yeah. I'm excited to talk about that. Uh, like you to kind of give us a, a little brief and just on your style of hunting. Cause, cause if you've been seeing land trust advertisements, it's private land and, uh, you have the hashtag why hunt private, um, yeah. with, uh, What's your style? Uh, what are you looking forward to this fall or spring? And and uh, sure. let's talk about your hunting. Yeah. So, like I said, I, I grew up bird hunting um, a lot. Uh, I mean, predominantly chasing California quail, which is an incredible game bird. Um, did a lot of chucker hunting, too, which is like the uh, doll sheep hunting of, <laughs> of uh, bird hunting. You're mm -hmm. usually, like, on the side of a... Uh, a canyon or, you know, it's, it's deep and rocky and craggy. So hmm. love doing all that stuff here in Montana. Now I started big game hunting in Colorado when I lived there before moving here. Um, you know, I, 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 I attempt to archery hunt. I still have never killed anything with my bow. Um, so I like, look, I like every kind of hunting and fishing I've ever tried. I am, 
I'm less tribal uh, when it comes to, you know, in the hunting community, we can be very tribal and it's like, you know, bow versus gun or, you know, no crossbow, whatever. I don't know. I've, every style of hunting I've done, I've enjoyed. And same thing with fishing. There's a time and place, I think, for all of it. Um, I really like, you know, hunting deer and elk. Uh, I, I, I like to hunt with a rifle. I like to hunt with a bow. I need to get better at that because mm-hmm. I've been unsuccessful to date. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's just the it takes time, man. I mean, all your listeners know that. Um, yeah. I at this stage, like, I have three. I have three daughters under the age of four, and I have this. Company, oh my so like, gosh! <laughs> yeah, I got to hunt. I don't know four days this season, so uh, you know, I, I don't get to hunt a lot, which is the irony of uh, my position right now. Sure. Well, it. I, I keep telling myself it's it's just uh because i have not that many young ones but a one and a five-year-old and and it's just the it's just the window in time where i've told my buddy who is out shed hunting all the time right now i tell him i said i just got to be lame for a couple more years i'm raising kids and then they'll get out there with you hopefully yeah like then they're into your buddies and then i tell him it's like i'm playing the long game here with the shed hunting i'm i'm raising where guys that I can cover, uh, more ground. So that's, that's, that's my, that's my strategy. I'm going to cover more ground. Cause I got two little boys that are going to go right there with me. Or you got girls that are going to jump in and you're going to have all the hunting experience you want if they're interested. Um, and yeah, whether absolutely. that's you pulling the trigger or not, cause that's, that's a, it, that's a fun thing to do. I don't know if you've taken them with you doing anything, but it's, oh, it's a riot. So shed hunting is one of those activities I would love to get into. But again, if I get four days to go out, I'm going to use them wisely. So oh, like, sure. shed hunting looks like a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, and again, as, as my daughter is, you know, my oldest is, she'll be four this summer. She is going to be a hunter. My middle, I don't know. Um, but yeah, as she gets to that where she can get out there with me and we're going to go morel mushroom hunting this weekend. And, oh, nice. You know, so she's getting that age where we can start to do some of those things. But yeah, in the last few years, there's not been a lot of hunting in my life. Yeah. And so with that and the, your, your uh, coworkers, employees there at Land Trust, uh, uh, what, mm-hmm. uh, what are some techniques that you guys have used in the past? And if you're in Southern, we're in Southern California, uh, permissions, I bet. I, I don't imagine there being a ton of public land. I'm not sure. Um, or, and you're being in Montana now, you're surrounded by it. Uh, but what were some, what are some of those techniques you've seen in your circles work for gaining permission? And, and I, I can already see some, some things for you and I both with young kids as opportunities for gaining some permissions, uh, to go. Yeah. Cute little public. kid. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and, and you know what? Shoot. Let's, hurt. let's back up even more. Um, private land versus public land hunting. Uh, I, I get to chat with biologists quite frequently, uh, just in my, my full-time job. And here in South Dakota, we have a lot of private land, a ton of it. And I live, Back up out my back door is some public land. The Black Hills National Forest is right there. Nice. Um, so I, I got I live in the area where there's a lot of public, but it's other than that, I'm not going to go hunt a muley in the hills here. It's mostly whitetail, and you can't draw those mule deer tags without ten points or plus anyway. Uh, so yeah. it's uh, private land. 
or going out into some of that that more crowded public land out in the prairie. So uh, I hear biologists talk all the time about don't forget about private. Um, we have the you see BHA great organization BHA with the public land owner, and it created a movement of you must hunt public to be a DIY awesome hunter. Uh, I know yeah. plenty of private land that is not easy to hunt and, uh, it also holds some big deer and has some, or turkeys or yep. whatever, and, and create some opportunities. Yep. So I'm, I'm a fan of, don't forget about private land. You got it to, yeah. to manage our wildlife effectively. We have to have hunters on our private land. Um, and, and we can still do that today in a day. I've never paid for hunting, uh, yet in my life. I know at some point I probably will. Yep. Uh, I've never paid yep. for permissions. So, um, I know that is coming and I know there's ways of knocking on doors and getting permission. So what, back to my original question, like, what do you guys see in your circles of, of great ways of finding permission? Paid yeah, or not? So, yeah, I think, uh, look, I, I don't even like the, I, the, the, the term versus true. I think it's such a, yeah. Like why, why, why is it private versus public? It should be private and public, you know? No, like, I totally agree. It, I totally agree with you. You know, it's just, that, and that's the way it's not you. I'm not, I'm just yeah. saying that's the way it's framed a lot. I mean, most conversations, but you know, the funny thing is that 70% of the lower 48 is private. You know, out here in the West, we're like trust fund kids, man. Like we just like walk <laughs> out and there's, 50% of your state's public land, which is awesome. I mean, it's why a lot of people live here. A lot of hunters want to come and be in these places. Yep. So I want to be very clear that land trust and myself personally, we love public land. Public land is an amazing thing. I grew up hunting public land and that was before it was public land. And I'm, for people who are not watching, I'm like saying in quotes where it's this like hashtag and social media and like this, it was just like, I didn't even know that it was called public land. I just, my dad would say, we can hunt here. You know, no, so right, it wasn't even right. like, I didn't even, the concept of public land wasn't even a thing when I was growing up. Now I know that it was public land. So, you know, I grew up hunting public land, not because it was some badge of honor, but it's like, we didn't own land and, you know, we would knock on doors too. And yeah, having a little cute little kid ask for permission to hunt, probably pretty good. Like I'll have a cute little daughter that, you know, <laughs> probably send her up to the door a lot better than like a six foot three, you know, dude with a goatee and a gun or something. <laughs> right. Um, for, and so, don't say you're from Southern you know, California. Just, <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, I've lived out of California longer than I ever lived there. So I think right. I've crossed the threshold. Right. Um, but anyways, yeah. So I just want to make sure that that's super clear. Like it shouldn't be private versus public. It's private and public. And we also have to acknowledge that probably eight out of 10 hunters in the United States, licensed hunters live in states with like less than 20% public lands. So most hunters don't even get to have this conversation. Kansas is 99% private. Nebraska is 97, 98% private. Texas is 96, 98% private. So a lot of states, and, and Texas has 1.2 million licensed hunters. So we just need to remember that, yes, while in the Rocky Mountain West, we are blessed with a bunch of uh, public lands, that is not reality for most hunters. Like Montana is unique, right? I mean, we're sit I'm sitting here in Bozeman. Montana has a really large megaphone in the hunting community because of Meat Eater and Onyx Maps and, you know, RMEF and VHA and, you know, Sitka and all these, like, big known brands. But I think it's important to remember 
I think there's a lot of myopic perspective that comes out of Montana because we live in a state that's like whatever, 40% public. And it's a huge state and there's a shit ton of public land. Um, it's important to remember that we represent like a teeny tiny percentage point of the actual hunters in the U.S. Like Pennsylvania has over a million licensed hunters. That's more people. At Texas, is 1.1 or 1.2. That's more than we have citizens in Montana. And so it's always important to remember, yes, we get to do some cool stuff like archery elk hunting on public land in the backcountry is a super cool activity to do. And it's something that's a bucket list item for a lot of people. But just because that's our everyday, that's the reality, and like that's where what we get to do a lot of, we, we need to make sure that we still understand that that's a very tiny percentage of people that get to do that. And that most hunters hunt whitetail on private land out of a tree stand. And that's cool. Sure. You know, like yeah. that shouldn't be looked down on or, you know, it's like, Hey, that's awesome. Uh, so I, you know, I, I just wanted to set the table with that. Right. So, you know, as far as permissions, I mean, door knocking is door knocking can still work. But I think that door knock, I mean, look, the reason I started this company is because door knocking has become less and less effective. And I don't think it's because there's more and more hunters. In fact, it's statistically provable that there's not more and more hunters. Some people out there might try to contend that there is, there are not. Hunting license sales data is publicly available since like back to 1950. Since 2000, hunting license sales have been very consistent. You have 14 and a half to 16 million every year. And that's sales, uh, you know, licenses and tags and stuff like that. So it's a provable thing that it's not like skyrocketed. What has happened is we've lost supply. So I have to pull the statistics, but I know we're losing like a few thousand acres a minute of production agriculture land to development. As, you know, again, in, in the Midwest, ag land is hunting land, you know? So yeah. that's development is hunting's greatest and habitat and wildlife's greatest threat. It's not, you know, public versus private or any of these other dumb things that we spend a lot of time arguing about inside the hunting community. It is, oh, that farm is now a subdivision. Yeah. That farm is now a dollar general. You know, so the, that is the removing biggest threat. the removing the fence line to get another row of corn. Just that that's right. Little yep. bit of habitat that's that would have been great for the pheasants. I got yep. a buddy in Iowa so that posts things all the time driving. He's a hunter and then he drives through uh, and sees the CRP get mowed because it's a drought year yep. and double whammy on the pheasants and the quail over there. So, yeah. So now you're touching on, you know, land trust facilitates access to private lands and you pay for, you pay for that opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. So you just touched on it there. Okay. So, Farms and ranches often sell because they can't pay taxes or they can't, it's just not penciling out. Like commodity ag production is a very low margin business. The average U.S. farm lost like $2,000 last year, like negative, right? So these, we, my perspective is we need to find every way humanly possible, the hunting community, the conservation community, to keep farms and ranches and agricultural lands profitable because they will disappear if they're not profitable. It's just a, that's just a fact of life. And so, yeah, taking that brushy edge to plant another row or two of corn, that's, that's in the pursuit of making profit, hopefully make profit this year. So I can't blame them for that. But 
if we could place the profit incentive and add additional profit to a farm ranch or other undeveloped land, which is habitat, through having that habitat, like, hey, you know, you can actually make some money that goes to your bottom line by keeping, you know, not doing that second or third row of corn that leaves a brushy edge, that leaves habitat by, you know, not tilling every single piece of your property and leaving that wood line or, you know, those, those flues or whatever. And we can connect that. And to me, the biggest threat to hunting is loss of habitat to development. Like, dude, I live here in Bozeman. I live in what was a wheat field five years ago. Like on Google Maps, when I first moved in, it was still a wheat field. Oh, wow. <laughs> you try to get people to come to your house, and it's like the satellite imagery is still a wheat field. And so I don't know about you. I have never seen uh, land that got developed turned back into habitat. Like I've never seen a subdivision like tilled under and like, now it's back to working land. So that to me is the biggest threat to, to hunting, to access, to habitat, and to wildlife. And so all that is is money. Like, got to boil it down. That farmer sold because guess what? Taxes are got higher and higher in a place like Bozeman. They have to pay property taxes, you know, commodity prices, input prices, diesel prices. It's just, it's a tough game to play. So, look, I'm for the free market. If that, if a landowner wants to sell their property because they want to sell, I'm all for it. But a lot of the landowners that we work with who are multi-generation farm and ranch families who they've explicitly say, hey, we won't sell this place unless we literally cannot pay for it anymore. Those are the people we want to stay on that land because they don't look at it as simply a real estate asset. They look at it as legacy. And they've been there for two, three, four, five. I think our oldest is six generations in Nebraska that we have on our platform. Oh, wow. Huh. Uh, So let's go into the background of land trust and explain what that is. Because as you're, you're... I've got questions of leasing property, outfitting property, land trust. And I don't know if land trust goes sure. explain where we go in the, yeah, yeah. in the umbrellas yeah. though, kind of what makes sense, but, uh, sure. Yeah. Where, where'd you come up with the idea maybe and, and, uh, or how that start and then kind of what, what is it? Sure. That so you guys do? moved up to, yeah, moved up to Montana in the end of 2016 and, you know, hunting public, hunting block, you know, block management is our, I don't know if, you know, if you're probably yeah. familiar with it, yep. our state, you know, paid hunting access program for private land, which is great. You know, there's a, there's a lot of myths out there and, and things that people project onto us. Like we like block. I shot my antelope doe on block this last year. Like block is great. We're not, you know, we don't hate block. We're not trying to kill it or anything like that. Um, but anyways, yeah, I moved up here and found myself, you know, with less and less time. Uh, I often say I'm genuinely envious of the guys who get up to go and scout 30 days a year and hunt 45 days a year. Like I'm truly envious of those guys. That's not the reality of my life now. Like I said, three kids, company, all this stuff. I Mm -hmm. I don't have that time. And so I wanted to find, there's a a bunch of amazing private grounds in and around, you know, the Bozeman area and door knocking is less and less effective because there's more and more, you know, the demand has stayed consistent. And I, as we just talked about, the supply of hunting land has diminished. And I would say the demand has actually increased in a place like Montana because of, you know, TV shows and technology like Onyx and all this. There's a lot of focus put on Montana specifically. And it's a bucket list place for people to come and hunt. So we have seen at Mon- in Montana a lot more demand for, you know, hunting access, basically. So I think 
you know, Onyx did a film on this a year or two ago where they talked to a rancher in the north end of the Bridgers here outside of town. He's like, dude, I'll get 85 calls a weekend in season. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? Yeah. You know, who do I say yes to? Who do I say no to? Like, I, got, I still got a job and a family. Like, my phone rings off the hook. And that probably wasn't that way 15, 20 years ago. Right. I would bet it wasn't. Right. So this is the reality. And so, yeah, door knocking is less effective because these, these ranchers and farmers are put in this impossible position of like, I guess I say yes to you and I say no to them for what? I don't know. And so that's really the, the impetus for founding the company was, hey, I was early on the Airbnb platform in New York City, which is a home sharing platform I'm sure mm-hmm. you guys are all familiar with. Airbnb, VRBO, et cetera. And I saw the power of the sharing economy and marketplace models. And so to me, it was like, hey, this seems like an, an, an obvious marketplace issue. Um, and maybe we can go and start getting access to more places. Yeah, it's, you pay for it um, to a lot more private land and open that up. And by the way, that, that was me looking at it from the hunter's perspective. But as we've got four years into this company, I've started to realize that, like, you know, the, these lands are so important. Basically, the conversation we just had of they've got to be profitable, they will be sold, they will be developed. And then no one hunts that land ever again. The habitat is gone forever. Species, you know, get pushed out of that. So that's what, you know, that's what basically drove me to start the business, um, you know, and the way we, you, you talk about kind of like leasing, um, outfitters, et cetera. So how we like to kind of position it to hunters is, hey, if you're looking for new, um, new opportunities on private land, uh, you know, land trust makes it easy to connect directly with landowners and book hunts. And unlike expensive annual leases, which like I can't afford a lease, um, or guided hunts or door knocking, land trust makes it really easy to access private land to hunt. So a lot of people, we have a lot of people who, use land trust in the same state. So, you know, Montana, for example, a lot of Montanans use land trust to go and hunt new properties in Montana. But we also facilitate a lot of um, hunters hunting in new states. You know, I think I listened to your private land podcast you did a while back. And yeah, going to a new state, door knocking isn't really a reality for like if you you wanted to go hunt in Missouri. Yeah. Right? You live in South Dakota. So you can do it. But you're probably only going to get, what, three to five days to go down there, go drive down there. You end up eating a lot of your time door knocking in hopes. Yeah. stressful. It's like yeah. your hunting time is being used. Your PTO is being used. So, you know, or you could go on land trust and see like, oh, you know, Grand Farms. I could book this for a turkey hunt, which is where I went hunting this year. Amazing place. And, you know, for whatever, a few hundred bucks, you can go out there and like secure it. It's yours for the day, three days, whatever you want to book already talk to the landowner, get the lay of the land, you know, and do all that kind of stuff. So it makes it a lot easier and tenable for people to actually make those connections. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. 
At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Okay. Well, you listened to one episode that I didn't think was one of my better ones. <laughs> but It's a topic I'm interested in. Yo, good. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Um, so the... When I when I started seeing your ads and I see you got uh, John Dudley Dudley working for you, it's, or uh, not working for you, but well, doing not working for not me. working yeah. for you, yeah. doing yeah. Uh, promotional th- videos on yeah. Land Trust, yeah. Um, yeah. which is pretty cool to see uh, a person of his stature in the community uh, endorsing yeah. this. Um, you see angry faces on the <laughs> emojis. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of confused me because every Western hunter has one major complaint in common: crowding on mm. public land. Yeah, crowding. Yeah, we're crowding. There's it's an orange army during the rifle seasons. It's um, yep. I go hike ten miles. Not me. I go hike ten miles back, yep. and there's still people. There's I thought I, other dudes there. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, uh, people are. I'm glad South Dakota's a little little old school yet. You can still hike way back in there, and there's not people because uh, yeah. we got our road yeah. hunters. But it'll get there. But Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, you go hiking in a ways. Colorado's a mess. Oh, it yeah. is, and I'm going there this year, and I'm nervous. Godspeed. <laughs> I'm nervous. Godspeed. They keep losing over the counter units, and I'm nervous. Uh, but yeah. well, yeah. Well, I know I know the area, so it should work. Yeah. Um, but. Crowding's a is a issue, and yes. I, I'm glad you brought up hunter numbers and things because that's a whole nother conversation I've had uh, recently, and yeah. I don't want to rehash that at this point. But um, sure. the it seems like just bottom line, this is more access, more access, and maybe a solution to help with uh, some of that that crowding. And if you were to yeah. go online and google out turkey hunting outfitters i I guess i no, that's a horrible example because i'm not a turkey hunter i don't really know the cost of that let's go with a a, just (laughs) my first i I killed my first turkey in missouri with dudley actually oh Uh, wow that's awesome but uh i could tell you yeah yeah. (laughs) um but the like i'm a i'm a deer hunter and if i wanted to go on a deer hunt and i'm going to book something with an outfitter what are my five four, five, six, seven thousand, ten thousand, depending on yeah. what they kind of guarantee ish. Right. Um, yeah, the, that's expensive. Um, I kind of go and look and see bruised on your guys' website with like a Turkey hunt. I think I saw one for 400 bucks in Nebraska, something like that. Yeah. Three, and that's probably for a couple of days. Yeah. yeah. That's for a few days. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and I don't want a guide. I don't want to walk around with anybody. Uh, I've had those bad experiences, deep sea fishing (laughs) with, with guides. They're just doing (laughs) stuff for you. I want to go struggle. I want to go have the, um, all of that. But back to my original question, what are, what's the, what's the issue? Why, what are, what are the comments and and why are they probably don't want to read too many comments, but what's the, what are people not like? Yeah, it's a good question. So I think, first of all, uh, the comments are for people who've never used the product. So uh, we have 
a thousand five star reviews for both sides, landowners and sportsmen. Um, so like if you were going to go buy a new bow, would you take people's feedback or perspective who, who have not owned and shot the bow? I, I wouldn't. Right. <laughs> like, right. I, I would take the people who's like, Hey, I, I bought this thing and I used it and I like it. And here's my feedback. So, you know, I would say start with that. Like these are people who have actually never used the product, um, or service and ha- have no perspective other than I heard somebody say this about this company and now I don't like it. And sure. so I think there's just a lot of misunderstanding there. Um, is it the idea so, though? Look, is it more the idea? Yeah, I think it's, which is, which is funny. It's like, uh, I certainly didn't, I can't take credit for the idea of paying for hunting access on private land. Certainly. No. <laughs> uh, people have been paying trespass fees, doing annual right. leases or multi-year leases and purchasing land for hunting and other outdoor rec for a long time. Paying, so, paying for horses to come in and on public land, paying for a dog ab- tracker. Absolutely. Same thing. Absolutely. So, yeah, and there's a, so there, I, I think there's a bit of that. Um, and then there's also this idea that a landowner who, you know, starts listing on land trust, like they somehow lost access to that land, which by definition, they're gaining access to that land. In most cases, I would say in all cases, um, the people who are upset have never spoken or would have ever met the landowner who listed on land trust and would have never had access, but now they do. Mm-hmm. Yes. You, you pay them for the, the, the permission to go there, just like a trespass fee. And it's just access. You're not paying for wildlife. That's another one of the things like, Oh, this is not fitting in the North American model. No, that's actually not true. You still have to be a legally licensed hunter hunting in legal, you know, legal season dates. You know, it's not like you book something on land trust and now you get to go kill five elk out of season. Right. No, you have to draw your tag. You have to hunt during season. Like, it's still being regulated and mandated by state fish and wildlife departments. And you're not paying for outcome. You are paying for access to a place to do, to do an activity. Um, and I think we often say this, you mentioned outfitters. And by the way, we're, we're very neutral with outfitters. There's good ones and there's terrible ones and they're a service provider. And mm-hmm. I, they, they serve a purpose for sure. Um, Cause there are people who do want to go and have that higher level of service. And just like Airbnb didn't kill high-end hotels, like Mantras won't kill outfitters. Like there's always going to be clientele who want you to pack them in and to do camp and to cook and to guide and do all that stuff. And that's great. But that's good analogy. You know, there are, yeah, I mean, there's room for both, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and just like on Airbnb where you could book a $20 a night hostel or a $2,000 a night, you know, castle, Mantras has everything from, you know, 15 bucks a day to go shoot gophers. To, you know, big expensive elk hunts, you know. Uh, so that's just, it's a marketplace. Um, but I think there's a lot of misunderstanding there. And I would just say that uh, it comes from people who have not actually used us and actually seen the opportunity. And we absolutely are in huge net gain in access. And back to your point on crowding, hunting is a zero-sum game. You know, I grew up uh, surfing. Surfing a, a, a break by yourself is very different experience than surfing it with 50 other dudes. And same thing with hunting. Hunting, you know, 50 acres, 100 acres, 200 acres by yourself is a very different experience than hunting with 20 other dudes or gals. And so more private land hunting is better for the public land hunter for two reasons. 
one, every day that someone is hunting private, whether it be through us or gaining permission or whatever other vehicle they got out there, that is a day that that hunter is not on public by definition. So it's one less person on your public spot. Two, and this has been backed up by science, um, more private hunting pushes animals around to public. The state of Utah had a lot of upset people back in like 2016 because they're selling a lot of elk tags and people are just like, dude, there's no elk on public land during rifle season. So why are you selling all these tags? So they tested, I think in 2017, you know, starting to issue some private land tags. And lo and behold, if you put pressure on elk on private land, they will move. You yeah. know, so yeah. it went from like 24% of uh, the herd being on public during the middle of rifle season is like 45%, so almost like double. And that's just common sense, right? It, it, hey, you put pressure on animals, they will move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's fascinating to uh, um, kind of compare that that crowding solution to wildlife management to access. Yep. <laughs> it's just a nice little little uh group of group of things all working together there um the yeah. i was just perusing that's why i can't talk and look at the same time because i was just looking at a a, <laughs> ran, a ranch oh, as i'm listening <laughs> uh yeah. looking at a ranch to see it at the at the options and man get a get a prairie dog landowner in south dakota for sure <laughs> there's oh we got some in yeah we got some in uh, southeastern like ekalak and stuff so we got some stuff coming close to you over there i, um, I see yeah, yeah. I, I saw it in that ekalak area there seemed to be a yeah. a few little little flag things drop points whatever waypoints um so yeah. the hunter proves is a website find something they like they want to go on a mm-hmm. on a deer hunt Talk, walk me through the process of uh, what sure. that is and how do they, I, I work with a lot of, um, new hunters and, and, uh, women hunters. And if they walking up to someone they don't know and going to hunt or even ask for permission or going to hunt on their property or hunt with somebody is a very intimidating thing for them. Oh yeah. So in public is the most intimidating thing. I get that too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I yeah. get that too. So I'm, I'm really curious. I've got a thousand questions on this of, uh, what yep. you do to vet landowners? How do you know they right. just don't want a nice check and it's like grazed down flat sure. prairie with not a, with one antelope yeah. on it? Um, yeah. And what's their what's a hunter's process to go through? So maybe just start with the hunters yeah. hunters process to go through this step. What are they? Yes. Well, let me start with landowners because I think that's a okay. It's a good good question. So. Um, the, the, the majority of, we have about 1.25 million acres on the platform today across 30 something states. We're heavily concentrated in like Montana, Nebraska, Kansas. We're getting into Missouri, North Dakota. Uh, and we're both open in a bunch of new states, but our landowners are predominantly owner operator, meaning they live and work on the land, farm and ranchers. So these people are growing food for commodity production. This is not like a hobby farm or a hobby ranch. And they're usually two, three, four, five generations on that land. So um, we go out often, you know, in the states that we're focused on, we have people who are on the ground. We call them landowner success managers. And when the landowner says, hey, I'm interested, they go out and visit with them. They go out and see the property. They take photos. They do all the GPS maps. So, like, we work with HuntWise and Onyx. And we'll build GPS maps and 
you know, here are the property boundaries, no-go zones, here's where you park, and here's where the if it's tree stands or whatever, right? Just, just gets you oriented to it. Um, and they just they get to see the property themselves. So we have eyes on almost all of our properties in those states. And, you know, as opposed to an outfitter, and again, we're not against outfitters, but as opposed to an outfitter whose business is running people through a property, this is not a landowner's business. Their, pri- their primary business is growing food, growing cattle, growing corn, you know, like commodity ag mm-hmm. production. They also live there. So, you know, in that case, they're, they are not trying to run like 150 hunters through a property in the season. They want to provide good experiences. And they also have been there for many years. They understand what populations look like. We hear this year, like Nebraska and Kansas, holy smoke, a lot of drought. We had people making inquiries for turkey hunts and landers just saying, hey, look, look, we've had a drought. You know, the turkey numbers are super down. We're not doing any hunts this year. So they're saying that kind of stuff. And they are managing already, like they understand, they've lived there for a long time, that, hey, we want to let stuff rest. It's just not a good year for it. So they're actively turning down potential income because they know that this is not the right time to hunt and populations are down and all that stuff. So just to give your, you know, your audience an idea about the types of landers we have, these are generally like honest, hardworking handshake people, right? Um, so on the, on the, on the, on the hunter side, hey, you go to landtrust.com, you search by state you're interested in or species you're interested in. And then you see a bunch of different, you know, listings and packages there. So, uh, could be like a three-day mule deer hunt in eastern Montana with lodging. So you know, it's offered by a family out there. You can come out to their ranch and it's your ranch. I want to make it clear, like when you book something with land trust, you are the only group out there for that time. So it's not... Good to know. It's your. Yep. Yeah. So it's, just, it's about exclusive access for the time, for the duration of your booking. I mean... Shoot, we have some ranches that are, we had a 45,000 acre ranch. Like you could book it and just have it to yourself for a day or a week or whatever. <laughs> and then it's, it's DIY. So you're, it's, it's essentially a trespass fee. You're getting, you're getting permission to go out and, and hunt that, you know, species of animal and stay in that lodging if it has lodging. Um, and so you, you find some packages that you like. You can message with the landowners. So this is like digital door knocking. Um, and so you can message the landowners. We have a bunch of information on, you know, we have the, the game management unit, photos, um, acreage. You know, we have a map that shows you roughly where it is. Um, reviews of people who've gone there and, 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 you know, hunted and stayed there before. And then, uh, yeah, you can message the landowners, ask them any questions you might have. Cause you obviously you have questions. And then if it all works out, you make a booking request with a credit card and the landowner accepts it. We send you over the digital maps after the booking has been accepted. We obviously want to protect people's privacy. So, um, so after you, get, you know, that landowner says yes, um, we send over Onyx and HuntWise maps of the property, arrival instructions, all that stuff, and you can connect with the landowner and, and you show up and go have a good time. Hmm. Uh, how do how how does I'm sure this has come up, but how do we keep those properties or the landowner keep those properties from getting over hunted because yeah. he, he says oh 400 500 dollars a day um let's get someone in here every day of the season and and or oh, um, yeah how do you maintain quality or or not yeah, it's a good question 
Well, no. So it's it, look profit. The profit incentive keeps things aligned. Mm-hmm. So recreation as an asset or a new line item for these these operations, these you know cattle and and, and farm operations. Yeah, you could theoretically just go and hunt everything out in one year and make some money. But guess what? Then you don't have that revenue stream for the next year and the next year and the next year. And so that goes back to me talking about, one, the fact that these folks live here and on these places and they have for generations. They've seen the ebbs and flows of healthy habitat and wildlife and all this stuff. And we constantly see landers saying, hey, we're not taking any hunters right now because mule deer population is down. Or, you know, we've had drought and there's not as many turkeys or whatever it might be. So it's in their best interest and our best interest as a partner, business partner with them, that they maintain high quality experiences. And on the, you know, if you have a lender who doesn't maybe understand that, there's ratings. So you'll go on, if you saw on land trust, there's ratings. Yeah. So after every booking, the landowner gets to rate the guest and the guest gets to rate the landowner in the experience. Right. So you'll start to see those ratings show up real fast. And then they're not going to get bookings. Yeah. So this is why marketplaces are really good at transparency and trust and accountability. Got it. Um, what, oh, I guess you answered that question about what the hunter gets, but they get the digital map, they get directions. Do they ever meet the landowner? Is that a common thing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, most of our landers, again, because they live there and most of, and it's not universal. Like we do have landers who are absentee, but most of our landers actually live and work on those, those properties. Um, so most of our landers, absolutely, they'll get to meet them. Um, but it's up to the landowner how they want to do it. We have some landowners that are busy and they're just like, Hey, we use land trust. We're comfortable with it. And, you know, they'll have fun, but most of our landers will go and meet with the folks and they will obviously talk to them on the phone and help answer any questions they might have. Uh, how, uh, how are new properties advertised then? Cause I was just looking at a, it's almost like I don't even want to say. <laughs> just, I was looking at a deer hunt in Kansas, uh, and yeah. I see the price tag on it, and I say, eh. well, yeah. if I draw a Kansas tag, or I'm going yeah. to Nebraska this year, uh, you don't have any in the in the area that I was wanting to go, um, but um, close to. We got about a quarter million acres in the Sandhills, and the Sandhills are amazing. That's uh, in Valentine. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, we have some. I think I was looking if, at that if one you're, too. If, if your guests haven't been, yeah, if your guests haven't been to the Sandhills in Nebraska, what a cool ecosystem! Oh, I know. I've been wanting to big mule deer. I've been wanting to hunt that area for so long. I used to live in Colorado, and I drive from there to my parents in eastern South Dakota. And everyone complains, "Oh, you got to drive through Nebraska." It's like, are you kidding me? You Nebraska's see that incredible? Country? Yeah, I want to hunt incredible. that. I want to hunt that. Well, now, um, you, now you know land trust. Yeah. You can. Um, so I was looking at that, and and Kansas is in the future. Kansas is kind of blowing up with popularity, for sure, for white. Yep. And the Western yep. hunters are <laughs> Western yeah. hunters are moving east, and Eastern hunters are moving yep. west to hunt, and vice versa. Everyone, hunters want to always just do new things. They want yeah. to experience new things. Absolutely. New hunts. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, I see that, that property on here. If you get a new property... Are you advertising that as a hey? Just picked up ten thousand acres, and, and yep. or how how is that that getting distributed with? And, and I suppose yeah. the best thing about 
this is that you're not inundating a landowner with crazy communication. It's all going through you guys. Um, yeah, exactly. So we're not publishing their phone numbers or anything right, like that. Right. No, everything comes through here. And so it's a good question. So when you, so I would say create your free account. I'm talking to you specifically, Clint. Yeah. If you like, it's free to create an account on land trust. When you sign up, you tell us, Hey, I live in South Dakota or whatever state you live in. I'm interested in these states that I want to hunt. I'm interested in these species that I want to hunt. And so once you tell us those things, if you told us, Hey, I live in South Dakota, but I'm interested in Kansas and I'm interested in whitetails. When we get Kansas or whitetail properties or Kansas and whitetail properties, we're going to email that to you as soon as these oh. listings come live. So, okay. you know, like we let, it's in our best interest to let people who told us they want to hunt Kansas whitetails to let them know we just got a new Kansas whitetail property. Um, and so then you can get, see it. If it looks like something you're interested in, you go and make an inquiry with the landowner and hmm. you know, if, if everything sounds good to you and them, you book it. Yeah. So I would encourage you and your listeners, even if you're not actively looking for a hunt, create your free account, tell us what you're interested in, and then we'll just send you emails about stuff that you're interested in. Okay. Yeah. I'm interested in Texas hog hunting. I've never hog, hog hunted, and we're about to put on a bunch of ground in Texas. And so, you know, uh, I'm very excited about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do, do you guys have to have a license to like i know when money exchanges like this um and i suppose landowners don't have to have an outfitter license to take on trespassing fees but maybe it's different state to state do you have to get licensed anywhere are there any states that you're just i can't do business it's not going to work no we haven't seen any of those states yet uh um and no again we're simply this is facilitating access to yeah. private land and again we're not just doing hunting i mean we're people are booking foraging for morels people are about to do the rv yeah. stuff so it's just yeah just access for private land to do mm-hmm. outdoor activities so not a hunting company per se hunting is the core activity we focused on today we love it everyone here you know hunts um so no we're not and we're not outfitting it's just we're facilitating a marketplace right. for land access so, uh, in our landers, yeah, they're not, they're not guides. They're not outfitters. Um, you know, Hey, look over a cup of coffee in the morning and say, Hey, we usually see, you know, right. They like to be over there and you know, they like to be over there. We see them over here sometimes. They're going to be like a lay of the land, but they're not guiding you or anything like yeah. that. Um, and that's, you know, occasionally. So, and then everything, I mean, look, we use all the modern technology. So Stripe, if you know, are familiar with Stripe, they're $50 billion payments company. So when you go to book something, it's all on a credit card. You pay 100% up front. We hold it in escrow until the trip happens to make sure that everyone's being honest and everyone, everything happens. At the end of the trip, we direct deposit it to uh, the landowner's account. And then you guys rate each other in the experience. Huh. And I think on that point, we're very clear with the type of people that we, that, that really enjoy using land trust. It's about experiences and not outcomes. If Clint, if you're like, dude, I wanted to hunt Kansas and kill a 200 inch, uh, you know, white tail or mule deer. And I'm not going to be happy unless I do don't use land trust. Like hire an outfitter, right. like go down there, get an outfitter, get a guide. Like that's a, And I'm not saying anything negative. I want to kill a big deer too. So if that's what your goal is, then you should hire a guide or outfitter because that's very outcome oriented. We are for people who want to go to new places with some friends or family or by themselves and have some new experiences and create lasting memories around hunting. And like, again, I was down there with uh, Dudley in Missouri on a beautiful farm 
yeah, I killed my first bird. It was super fun. And, but we got to fish during the day. We barbecued at night. The landowner came out and brought us steaks from that he's growing there on the property. Like, honestly, that's like the type of experience that is awesome. If I didn't kill a bird, whatever. Uh, it would, if there was a lot of birds there. Would, you know, so I just want to be very clear that mm-hmm. if you're not going to be a happy customer unless you kill that big animal, we're not for you. Like, do we have properties that you could kill a 200 inch deer on? Absolutely. But it's, it's, it's about, I need you to be experience oriented rather than just like outcome or I'm unhappy. Yeah. Yeah. The, and you know? I, I, for, I did see on there about they provide lodging or do a lot of them just like park your camper here, pitch a tent here. Yep. Um, is that yeah. a majority of them or just some? So, yeah, it's a good question. So they're, you know, land trust is about land sharing. So land, the land and the resources of the land are the most important thing. So some of our properties don't have lodging right now. Um, but, the, you know, and then a lot of them do have lodging. And lodging could be anything from you can pitch a tent here, you could bring your camper trailer here, to we've got a bunkhouse. We've got a full-on, you know, house and beautiful lodging for you. So a lot of our properties do have lodging. And a lot of them will say, yes, you can come, you know, pitch a tent or camp or an RV here. Do you ever encourage the hunters or, or the let's just say recreators because it's bird watchers sure. yeah. as well yeah i saw that RVers, whatever yeah um do you encourage them to leave some sort of thank you or like because normally you go on someone's property and there's always a handshake at the end and maybe a yep case of beer later on and you drive through by or, or a thank you card with a yep. gift card or something like that. Is that something that, that typically you've seen hunters do or, or hear from landowners or what's you know, the ethics on that one? Of yeah, for sure. And not? I would like to say that, yeah, when you, and we're starting to, we've been bad at this in the past. We're starting to get good at it now. I mean, you read the reviews that landowners give their guests. I mean, 99% five-star reviews since the beginning of the company, which oh, wow. if you looked at the historical hunter landowner relationship, it probably wasn't no. 99% five stars. No. So we've done a good job at facilitating the connection of really respectful sportsmen with, with landowners. And we're starting to publish a lot more reviews that the landowners give, and they always are touting how respectful and courteous and, you know, kind and communicative both the, the guests are, the hunters. Um, and so honestly, the review, that's, that's the place where we see a lot of that. Thank you. Like the, the, the yeah. handwritten card is now kind of a review and guess what? That positive review helps that landowner, like, you know, continue this, you know, this business for them. And so, and of course, personal connections are made. We just saw, uh, yesterday, a guy booked an incredible turkey hunting property in Nebraska. Like the game cameras are insane. Um, he booked this year for the season, had a great time, just booked next year for his family and like they know each other. And so, you know, we absolutely see these connections facilitated and, you know, I'm sure there are people that stop by because a lot of locals use it for local spots too. Yeah. Um, and so we see, you know, people book in the same place over and over again and the landowners know them. And yeah, I'm sure there are those traditional courtesies and stuff, but it's not something that we encourage. Hey, you paid for the, the access and the landowner, that's, their price. So they're appreciative of that. And you use the review process to really you know, say thank you and all that stuff. Oh. Okay. So my question is, uh, hard to get tags. So in the Sandhills of Nebraska, you can't just 
buy a tag this year. Um, I don't believe so. Uh, oh yeah, you can for muleys. But that really, like in that yeah. northwest Nebraska over over the counter mule deer tags for rifle. Uh, no, there's a quota. Right. Okay. But, okay. I'm, but you can just buy them until they sell out. Okay. I'm new to. I haven't hunted Nebraska yet, but so bad example. But take one one area where you can't draw a tag necessarily. Maybe right. it takes one two, yeah. or maybe it takes ten years. So. Right. Um, Booking those makes it difficult. Uh, it's a fifty percent draw, so I booked it, but right. didn't draw this. Year. How do you how do you uh, navigate that? So we've been yeah we've been toying with this, and this is you know hunting is was like the hardest activity to start with because like <laughs> every state has been regulations, tags, GMUs. Like yeah. it's the hardest thing to do. Everything else is easy, um, relatively speaking. So we're we've been toying with this idea of tag insurance. Because yeah, people want to get their stuff locked in and like, oh. hey, I'm pretty feel pretty confident I'm gonna draw. Um, but if I don't, I obviously don't wanna end up losing the money that I spent for a booking. So we're probably gonna we've toyed around with it in some general or in some general units in Montana, like for non res. And so like, hey, I'm non resident, I wanna do, you know, an elk hunt this year. Because we feel very confident that we can get that general elk hunt rebooked, like, you know from from other people so we're toying with this and we're probably going to productize it a little bit more of this tag insurance so hey i know that i don't haven't drawn yet but i would like to lock this place in and if i don't i can get reimbursed you know whatever and you add it's like trip insurance on yeah. buying a flight to europe or something yep. so we're we're, we're probably going to productize that in the near future to help with that alleviate some of that anxiety hmm. yeah i won't wonder uh dumb idea great idea not at all maybe i wonder if partnering with a like a hunting fool or something like that to be able to to mm -hmm. utilize those those resources to help people know if they're going to be even be able to draw something because man i talk yeah to we try if you go into the yeah if you go into like i we I, lorenzo at go hunts a great guy we're going to do stuff with them they're just okay. very busy this year um, but on a lot of our listings, we'll tell you like, Hey, this is the GMU. This is in. So if you okay. look at like a Montana mule deer hunt, you'll see the GMU, which is nice. Just so you know that yeah. we have links to the actual like state stuff. And then we also do pull some of the stuff out of the, that page in, uh, like hunt wise for, or not hunt wise, go hunt. Mm -hmm. And we'll say like, Hey, if you're non-res, you have this much chance. Oh, wow. Okay. So we do, we do pull some of that out. We don't pull all of it. Obviously. Sure. I want to make sure we respect that, but we do give some of that. Yeah, because there, there's uh, some. I'd love to have an integration with Go Hunt though, and like just pull their oh yeah app into our page, you know? Yeah, for sure. Because there's there's plenty of plenty of real smart hunters, and there's plenty of dummies that don't don't have a clue what they're applying for. Oh, oh, we got people <laughs> who like go to make a booking request for like an elk hunt in the summer, and you're like, uh, <laughs> like can't <laughs> can't elk in the summer, you know? So uh, yeah, I mean, and that. It's in our again. It's in our best interest as the landowner's business partner to make sure we streamline all of that stuff because we don't want yeah. people making inquiries for a super hard to draw tag who have no points, and it's just like it's, waste it's a time. wasted interaction. It's a waste of time for them. So we're very aligned to make sure we make it as easy as humanly possible. And we have, if you look at the bottom of our, if you go to Land Trust and look at, at the homepage and go scroll all the way to the bottom, we have GMU pages for different species. Oh, okay. And so now you can we can you can kind of sort by the game management unit that you're looking for, and if we have properties there, you'll see them. Okay, 
Yeah, I'll dig around on that. So, hey, there's, there's all, look, man, we're still a young company. There's, oh, yeah. The product still has a long way to go, but we're, you know, we're working on it. Well, I'm, I'm really interested to dig a little more now that I kind of got some of this background and understanding of that yeah. to see what those Trace options your free account. are. Tell us what you like. No, I will. <laughs> I absolutely will. Yeah. Um, you can also favorite when you see properties you like, so you don't lose track of them. There's a little favorite heart. So it'll like keep them on your home screen and you'll be able to come back to them. Okay. Yeah, I will do that. Yeah. Um, but let's, uh, I want to be respectful of your time and let's wrap it up. And, sure. um, sure. thank you so much for, I always ha- go into interviews with thinking of, I want to hear one thing and then it, I, I learn something completely different just and have great conversation about uh, public yeah. versus access or public and private. There we go. Uh, public and private. It, there we go. That's I, what hearing, I, want. I would like to get to that point. <laughs> hearing, and having discussions on stuff like that is so much more valuable to me uh, than yeah. where my superficial brain was thinking <laughs> initially. So I like having conversations like that and chatting about it, but, um, yeah. share, share again for me, uh, or share, uh, social media and the website, uh, and anywhere we sure. can besides our free account, which is easy to, to go set up. So, uh, share what you like. Yeah. So yeah. Landtrust.com. Um, is where is the site and you can go and see browse all of you know that's the whole point of the website you don't need to know us you can go browse there and connect directly with landowners and properties that you're interested in um so landtrust.com is is where you can do that by the way you can text or call us we we pride ourselves on customer service so you text us or you call us some somebody here in bozeman is going to answer the phone and help guide you through it so whether it's you know hey i'm interested in maybe getting out to do montana mule deer hunt or something we can we can help you through it, or if you got some working through the product, if you like to text, we text all all day, every day with different customers. So we're very service oriented. And then uh, on Instagram, I think it's land trust underscore hunt. Um, you can follow us there. And the phone number, if people just want to go to that, mm-hmm. uh, let me see here. I think it's uh, 406-709. Eight four five zero, and you know if you're an interested landowner or if you're an interested sportsman and you just want to give us a call or text us, you know you can do that. And uh, I'll leave you kind of with a thought: the future of hunting is going to require all types of access. Obviously, federal, you know, public lands are amazing; they're free. They're you know we want to make sure that we don't lose printing access to federal public lands, which is in some states, in some cases, under a little bit of a threat right now. So from federal public lands to state lands, BLM, all that stuff is awesome to door knocking to state funded, you know, um, you know, uh, programs like Weehaw in Kansas or block management here. Those are all great to what we facilitate. It's going to take all kinds of access. And I don't think any one of them is better than the other. Um, they all have their place. It's a spectrum and we need all of them to make sure that hunting continues as a, as a pastime. Excellent. Couldn't agree more. But it ain't my ground. This is God's country.